0: The Guardian On Location a series of podcasts on literature and landscape You have to have that really deep passion it's kind of an
1: unpicker place
0: Rachel Lichtenstein writer and artist
1: so over there is a massive Leather International, which has a real sort of family resonance for me because my great-grandfather arrived from Germany to the east end of London and set up a leather tanning business.
0: Madeline Bunting, writer and columnist. And isn't it amazing, Madeline? We might be walking, that might be the very building you don't know. I have no
1: idea exactly, it could be.
0: Whitechapel, London.
1: Um, what I think I immediately catches my eye is this fountain. And what it says here is uh, erected in 1860 by one unknown yet well-known, which is a beautiful phrase. Isn't
0: that a great motto for our walk? This idea of, of being unknown yet well-known. Because uh, yes. exactly it's exactly how I feel coming back it's to perfect. Whitechapel. No, it's, it's, it's a place that I arrived at 20 years ago that I did not know, but I also knew very well. it was It was, it was the landscape of my imagination. It was this mythical area that I'd heard my grandparents talking about and that I returned to hoping to find some traces of that very kind of rich Yiddish intellectual culture of which they were very much a part and it had almost completely disappeared but I kind of came here searching for
1: that finding something else and it, it because it reminds me of that line in T.S. Eliot that, that we, we we come back to where we started but see it with entirely new eyes yes. And I think that, in a way, a lot of the kind of writing that you do about place and that I do is all about the familiar and re-exploring and re-imagining the familiar. Absolutely. What kind of intrigues me really is the, the relationship between the, the private personal quest, which y- you had and you came back to Whitechapel to find that family history, which I had in the plot. It was about reckoning with a family history in rural North Yorkshire, so very, very different places. But I, I often found it you know, quite, quite a sort of interesting tension between a much more kind of public, much more kind of broader sort of story and the, and the kind of personal quest, which I suppose is a kind of quest for belonging and, and connection. Well, for me, the, the, the personal has always been the starting point and
0: it's, and it's my way in. And I, me- I remember with the first book, uh, writing Wodinski's Room, it seemed so deeply personal to me. There was a question all the time, is anyone else
1: going to be interested in this? What we've got in this street here is a school a restaurant and several different manufacturing type enterprises so in a way this is what the Brick Lane that you write about which was a place of work and a place of people where they lived you know this is, this is what Brick Lane was like for the Jewish community 60 years ago that juxtaposition of, of places where you work, right next door to where you eat the schools and uh, Absolutely,
0: homes. and it seems to me, I can imagine this street 100 years ago and the schoolchildren walking past would have been speaking Yiddish and that shop would have been uh, kosher butchers and it feels that the community here have directly taken over the trades and the buildings of the Jewish community that were living there before them. Mm-hmm. Go there. How to no. you. No. One to pay. Yes. now. What is this? I do I I am going to just my Can I just take us up to the top here, to the Bell Foundry? Um, it would be fantastic if we could go inside. So, I think it's still the longest established business. I never
1: stopped. Yes, please. Wow, what a treat! This is amazing. This is
0: absolutely amazing. The Liberty Bell was cast here. I can see over there a whole load of bells. This is so exciting. I must have walked past this building a thousand times, and I've never seen this door open. And I can smell molten metal. I trained as a sculptor, and I can smell that that smell of, of a welded
1: steel. There's a wonderful kind of juxtaposition here, which is kind of I would say classic East End, which is on one hand we've got the the, the old traditions of craft work which which made the East End of London. And on the other side, this huge new development is all going to be student accommodation. So what we've got is huge billboards here of bright young students um, and it's going to be premier student accommodation opening in 2012. Massive property development. So the kind of, you know, the traditions of learning On one side and of craft on the other. Should we go inside? It's all done on site. I'll I'll show you all this very good diagram in the front here. The room we're in is absolutely enchanting because it's full of very, very old, slightly crooked timber work and cupboards and lots of electrical wiring everywhere (laughs) and also on our
0: tour of smells this morning there was an immediate wash of memory came over me as I walked into this building because it reminds me of the smell of my maternal grandparents house who lived in a bungalow and there's something about the smell of the 50s or the 60s in this room slightly musty yes (laughs) <laughs> but it's, 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 it's one of those moments, and it, it's happened to me a lot in this area, where you I- I experience, a Robert McFarlane calls it of portal moments, and there's a great shift between walking outside from the street, which is always within contemporary time, into these interior spaces where you're somehow transported to a different period. <laughs>
1: The thing is surprises. You know, it's always, it's always surprises. Yeah. Like what I wanted to ask you is that several times you've ex- you express sort of regret, really, about how things change and how the old does in a neighbourhood like this often get very kind of roughly and rather brutally pushed aside and just demolished. Some would say that's nostalgic, that, you know, there's a sort of sense of kind of nostalgic regret. How do you kind of deal with those sort of Well, it's interesting, I mean,
0: that... that- term. um, Nostalgic has been used both positively and negatively when describing my work. I don't really see it as that. I think what I'm mainly trying to do is to kind of rescue stories that haven't been told about particular communities which are quite hidden within places like Whitechapel. Um, That's not nostalgia, it's... Documentation. It's recovery. It's a kind of archaeology of memory of place, and I I feel driven um, from I don't know quite where to
1: to to pull out these stories and and tell them. I think that's a really interesting point that you say, driven, because several of your books have been real labors of love. You know, the, the, the the requirement to sort of be almost obsessive about the detail, about digging things out. Uh, and it's obviously something you also know very,
0: very well indeed. You have to have that really deep passion uh, and desire to kind of un- un- unpick a place and to find every little fragment and b- put it together like a giant mosaic to somehow tell a narrative which is always going to have missing points.
1: It's funny because, in fact, mosaic is exactly the analogy I've, I've used a lot. And what was interesting is before I wrote my book... I, Uh, I spent about three or four years doing a lot of mosaics and I think there was a curious thing about actually physically doing mosaics which then helped me to then write the book because it was a very very sort of similar mental process going on. Absolutely I don't think
0: I could have written Radinsky's room without spending a year living in Israel making a life-size mosaic from the portrait of my family photograph taken in Poland which is the only photograph that ever existed of the entire family on my uh, maternal grandmother's side Uh, 12 family members who shortly after that photograph was taken were dispersed around the world, the ones that remained in Poland never survived. I took this photograph to Israel whilst I was living in the desert doing uh, artistic residency visited an archaeological site and started to collect from different archaeological sites around Israel these fragmented bits of pottery from various periods of time and over the period of a year constructed a life-size mosaic out of these ancient shards um, of that family photograph in Poland. And that was the beginning of me starting to
1: think as a writer. Um, And in a way, when you look at this landscape, because actually if you look back down this street there is just the most fantastic sort of visual mosaic because what we have is the really quaint 18th century architecture of the Bell Foundry behind that. We have a massive, rather ugly, sort of probably 70s block. And beyond that, the high-rise, high-status buildings of the City of London and the proximity of the city, the financial district, has always been a major factor for this whole area. So it's very, very interesting how you transfer from the visual to the literary and backwards and forwards. Rachel, one of the things that really fascinates me is that you know there's this whole sort of genre of writing and and visual artists as well really engaged in the kind of the local and the and sense of place and I just wondered why is there this fascination?
0: I can only really speak from my own viewpoint uh, about place, but it's. When I look back at my creative practice over the last say twenty years, both as a visual artist and a writer um, it 's always started by exploring place, whether it 's somewhere in, in in Poland or Essex or israel or, or, or london it's maybe, maybe it 's a way in, and I think that's partly because at the core of, of all of my work is walking so there's something important about kind of physically being within a place and then starting to uncover stories within it
1: and is there some sort of quest there for you to to have some sort of sense of belonging or connection is this what you're looking for
0: i don't know if i'm necessarily looking for it it's just there it's it, it's my way in it's what uh, you find you find a sense of belonging I go to places where I have a sense of belonging. I go to places that have some kind of family connection to me. I, want to, I, I I. came to Whitechapel because I wanted to walk in the same streets that my grandparents had been on and see if somehow by doing that I would begin to understand something about who I was.
1: So it's it's the kind of quest for identity and connection.
0: Identity and place are very strongly linked for me as is this great desire that I spoke about earlier of trying to kind of extract
1: memory or stories out of that place So we're in a lovely 18th century back street and this I think is where we've got to end it I'm afraid Rachel but I wondered um, could you write us something about the last couple of hours where we've been walking and talking the streets of Whitechapel could you put all that down? Certainly I'd love to
0: We meet outside the Whitechapel Gallery on the Waste, the widest pavement in London, the place where my Polish-Jewish grandparents used to step out, dressed in their Sabbath best. We walk. The strong scent of lilies drift on the wind, from window boxes on a nearby block of flats. We imagine the smells that once permeated the area, the hops from the many breweries, the stink of the former slums, and if we concentrate hard, we detect other aromas curry, coffee, petrol, barbecuing, meat. There's a sense of erasure in the area. It's becoming difficult to tap into the traces of the past in Whitechapel, a place so rich in lost landscapes and forgotten histories. And here we are at Commercial Road and New Road, the place where my father was born above his parents' watchmaking and jewellery shop, Gedalia Lichtenstein's. An appropriate end place for our walk through Whitechapel. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk
1: forward slash audio.